Welcome to the Zwift SBS podcast. Zwift is the app that turns indoor training into a game. With structured workouts, training plans and massive online group rides to make your training fun. Because fun is results. Fun is fast. Go to Zwift.com and start your free trial. Bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. Welcome to the Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast. Uh, before we start, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream or subscribe to this podcast on our website. And you can, of course, log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Joining me, it's Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? I'm very well, Christoph. Uh, look, look, I'm not happy summer's over. We're moving into the next phase of the season. But you know what? Hopefully summer starts again for us and we'll be tripping off to the tour. I don't want to I don't want to jinx us, but I'm just going to say it, okay? I'm building towards the tour, heading back to Europe, first time in three years. So spirits are high. Yeah, absolutely. And there's also the Giro uh, we have to go through uh, first, my friend, uh, oh, before the Tour goodness. de France. But you're right, uh, Europe is calling, that's for sure. Uh, joining us is also uh, Gracie Elvin. How are you, Gracie? Bonjour, Christophe and Maka. It's so nice to be here in 2022. This is my first time on the podcast this year. First time? Yes, first time. Wow. We haven't had that many podcasts, Maka. <laughs> I know it's, it's already April, but we haven't had that many podcasts. You've been too busy. The year is skating ahead. I mean, I've got a whole page of topics to get through here, guys. So strap yourselves in. Yeah. Okay. Let's get to it. Uh, Flanders. Uh, what a weekend we had. So we'll do a review of Flanders today and then we'll talk about the Amstel gold race that is happening uh, uh, this week. Com- this weekend coming. Uh, Flanders. We sort of always knew, Maka, it was going to be fantastic race because who was there who was on the start list that's basically unfold pretty much the way we wanted it to unfold no matter who you wanted to win the two at the end were the one that you were uh, uh, highlighting at the beginning yeah i mean it's look you're, you're spot on i think it flanders you know i have this debate in my own little head and i reckon i know where you'll sit with this gracie but i've debated in my head that the best race of the year is Flanders or Roubaix. And and in recent years, it's been Roubaix. And I spent a lot of time living in Flanders. I love the Belgian people. I love that, that, that area. But I think this year, Flanders for me is the best. It's just... And it was so good to see huge crowds back, not just big crowds. They were huge, weren't they? And then, of course, that one name, amongst all the other names, but a Tour de France winner riding his debut Flanders and... Almost wins it, but then somehow doesn't even finish on the podium. Like crazy, dramatic finale. It delivered in spades. So yeah, I guess Maka, you're 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 talking about uh, the one and only uh, Pogacar, and I know, uh, and we come back to this Maka on you because I know you've got a very strong opinion on on his position in history already. But Gracie, uh, what do you make of of uh, what did you make of 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 that race? You know, when when you watched it, because you you would call the women's race, and we'll talk about the women's race in a sec. Uh, so you probably had to rewatch the uh, the ending of it, but. What did you think of it? Yeah, I didn't get to watch the men's race live because I was thankfully getting to commentate the women's race, which was super cool. But we'll get to that in a sec. Um, It was, yeah, we all wanted a great dramatic race, especially it's a bit of the year of the pog in a lot of ways, even though we've had two years of him already. Like, I just love that he's getting into the spirit of other races outside of Grand Tours, outside of the Tour de France. And, you know, these are the most gnarly races. So to risk potentially the rest of your season coming to the cobbled classics you know just shows us that he's having fun and I just love that about riders and we've seen that in the past with different riders but it doesn't happen that often so yeah it was such a great finale 
And, you know, it's, it was such a classy win by Van der Poel to, to do what he did. And it was probably, yeah, he made it look easy, but it wasn't whatever he did. So, so yeah, absolutely. And, and then, Mike, actually, uh, a point for you. you. You mentioned the place in history from Pogacar, but the way he actually drove this race, and, and, and I said drove because, uh, of course, he was really driving the pace and he was attacking at every climb, big shang ring, you know, this, if, if anything, this is so gutsy, so gutsy for your first time on a race like Flanders. Yeah, it is. And I mean, you know, as, as Gracie knows, having performed well at Flanders and in, and in these classics, um, whether it's the men or the women, it takes, it takes some pros years and years of learning, you know, every little pothole, every little tight corner, every, you know, cobblestone just to finish sort of front group or put yourself in with a chance. And even then... You know, duds like me don't even make the front group ever after uh, doing those races for a few years. But the, the 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 key point is that not since I think 1969 or 1968, the last Tour de France, the last winner of Flanders, also won the Tour de France, and that was the great Eddie Merckx. So, and we all know in this current generation, this current era, I should say, of the sport, riders are specialists. They're either Grand Tour specialists or they're one-day classic specialists, but they're very rarely both. The Pog, he can't. We're actually starting to, now. It's easier for us to try and work out what he can't do because he pretty much can do everything. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 if you see also how uh, Mathieu Van der Poel was strong, let's talk about Mathieu Van der Poel on this one as well. Uh, how strong was he to just hanging? With, with the Pog. A couple of times he got nearly dropped, you're not too sure, but he was always coming back. And, and in a sprint, you and I had a debate during the race saying, what do we need? Short sprint, long sprint, who can win a short sprint? Who can win a long sprint? But in the end, Pogacar, would you say he stuffed it? Yeah, I mean, he, he did. I mean, it's a it's a tricky one, isn't it, Gracie? Because he, he had to play the tactic of coming from behind. So I think he positioned himself well. They were both waiting, and I mean, he just got boxed. So, yes, he has to wear responsibility, but he was a little bit unlucky. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, I just think that it's such a difficult finish, actually, because it's it looks like a straight line on TV. It is a straight line in real life, but everyone's on their knees by that point in the race. Your decision-making has gone a little bit out the window. You know, these two bike riders are extremely classy, extremely capable physically, so for sure they're a bit more mentally sharp than... The average rider at the end there, but I think it's it's much easier to make mistakes than to get it right at that point of Tour of Flanders. So I think you know, often you have to risk the a place on the podium to try and go for the win itself. I mean, is, is that all saying of you have to uh, you have to risk to lose it all to win it all? That that's what Pogacar did. It's the old saying too: if in doubt, lead out. Now, not that Vanderpoel was in doubt, but he he was the one who had the clean road ahead of him by leading out. So he kept himself out of that potential trouble, which then did eventuate in that last sort of 200 metres. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and let's talk about as well, the fact that Pogacar is not on the podium means there's other people on the podium. Madouas. Can we talk about Madouas? Yes, let's please talk about Madouas, Maka. Uh, I'm super surprised to see him at that level. But should we be surprised to see Madouas on the podium at Flanders? He was one of the, the best ones hanging with those two. Yeah, I mean, look, mate... I... Look, I definitely had him in my top three at the start of the day. So um, I'm sure everyone else did. 
not. <laughs> no, it was a complete surprise. I mean, <laughs> he was brilliant. He was brilliant, wasn't he? No one, not a, not a. I mean, I don't like to use the analogy of of, of um, betting odds, but you know, in this case, I will. He would have been a thousand to one to at the start of the day to finish on the podium. So, uh, if anyone, if anyone was a punter, then they, they might have had some pretty damn good odds. But look, that was. That was a super, super ride by yeah. Madwas. It, it really was. Um, you know, and the team would have been equally as, maybe not as surprised as us, but gee, you know, that's a, that was a huge performance. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll talk about the total energies uh, as well in uh, at the back end of this podcast because you've got a couple of questions about uh, the leader of that team. Uh, and just to finish on the men's race, uh, Gracie, when you look at uh, someone like Van der Poel, we know what he's done last year, the performance he's done, the the the, the failure inverted comma he had at the, at the Olympics, which was one of his targets. But when we look back at the track record in a race like Flanders, three starts, three podiums, he wins twice and finish second. The other one, that's already incredible isn't it it's uh yeah it's more than incredible it's almost impossible so it's it's a very special person to be able to do things like that and we only see a handful of those in our lifetime and you know Eddie Merckx was really one of the ones that stands out in most people's minds but it's really cool to see the new generation coming along now in Van der Poel, Van Aert they're making racing exciting again it's less about the numbers it seems I know that they're doing everything so scientifically but the way that they entertaining us looks like they're just having fun and i love that yeah absolutely and then actually gracie you, you mentioned van art and that's a good question here uh do you think if that and i always go back to the if but if van art would have been here how different would that race have been oh it's a <laughs> i don't think you'll ever be able to answer that question and uh yeah i think it would have you know still been a, a very similar outcome i'm sure van art would have been there in a finale but you have to get so many things right in those hundreds of kilometres, you can't crash, you have to get your fueling right. And one of the things that came out um, recently in one of the Cycling Tips articles was, you know, Vanderpool's fueling strategy. I found that fascinating of how much carbohydrates he needed through that whole race too. So you don't see it, but they're just putting food in their mouth all day so much just to make sure that they have that, um, you know, ability to sprint at the end. And for someone like Van Art, you know, he's very professional now, very skilled, but everything starts playing into the the outcome of a race like that. So, you know, certainly capable to win and we've seen him very close. Um, hopefully next time we can see a good battle royale. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tokyo, yeah, I think I do, I'm doing the same on the couch, putting food on my mouth during the whole race, but it's not the same outcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you seen Maka as well? I'll come back to you on this one. Have you seen Maka, uh, how uh, Van der Poel was stuffing a burger on, on his face, <laughs> put it this way, on the on the sports uh, uh, live broadcast after the race? Have you seen no, this photo? No, I, I didn't. I was going to say... Um... Yeah, I saw to gra- referencing gra- what Gracie just said about the sticker on his head stem, not just about the climbs, but about when to eat and when to drink. But um, uh, that does not surprise me. I mean, he sh- I hope he had some uh, fruits and mayonnaise and and a nice Belgian beer as well to wash it all down. 
check, check it out on social media because there's a whole thing where after the race, as uh, as the winner is invited on the the Sportsa, so Sportsa being yeah. uh, the the Dutch uh, or the the Dutch and Flemish uh, broadcaster for the for for the race, and he did the interview and they offered him oh he's starving they offered him a massive burger and he's like no no I'm go I'm gonna finish the interview otherwise I can't speak, but then as soon as he finished he grabbed the burger and then pretty much in two bites <laughs> at the whole burger on his mouth because he's saying I haven't eaten since before the sprint. So he was starving. Oh, yeah. oh you'd be, and, and you know, let's face it, most race food they eat these days, it's actually not very enjoyable. It's it's all just to fuel the body and keep it, you know, keep it going at an optimal, um, you know, performance. But it's not something you'd sit down to at a dinner table and, um, you know, eat some race food for fun. <laughs> Absolutely, Gracie. Let's talk about the, the women's race because uh, this was as exciting as the, as the men's race for sure. Uh, and you were lucky enough to uh, to commentate, but you brought us as well in the in the broadcast. And I must say this: I loved it. Uh, you brought all your experience because Flanders is a race you know very well. Yeah, it's a really special race for me, and it was it was so fun commentating with Bridie. She did a great job leading me through it. But I have so much passion for this race. It was easy to talk about it for three hours as it was showing like as we were watching in real time I've done it eight times I finished I think seven <laughs> didn't finish one year um, and yeah I was second uh, in 2017 so I always had a goal every season to be peaking for Flanders I know it so well I used to spend a lot of time in Belgium around the classics I'd stay in an Airbnb or have a training camp for you know three or four weeks around that time so I know all the roads back to like like the back of my hand um, and there's just something special about the race and Maka was saying earlier he couldn't choose between Flanders or Roubaix which was the you know the crown of the classics and I, I think that's a difficult question to answer and I think Roubaix is just amazing and it's grueling and it's great for spectators but personally I believe that Flanders is the race you want to win if you should want to show that you're the most complete bike rider you have to be good physically you have to be good smart you have to be experienced and you have to put all the pieces of the puzzle together whereas Roubaix is a little bit more about luck unfortunately um so I just I had such a great time and this year was the first year in the history of the women's race that they included the Koppenberg and this is a really difficult climb very famous in the men's race in Flanders often you've mm -hmm. seen images of the male peloton getting off because it's slippery and only you know the top 10 get up without having to unclip and get off their bikes and run so there was this great anticipation of how will the women be able to get up this very famous very difficult cobbled climb uh, luckily it wasn't slippery because it had been snowing and raining the few days before the race but it was dry and the whole peloton by the look of it got up it I'm not sure if anyone had to unclip and it, it somewhat neutralised the race a little bit early on. I think it was still a relatively fast race, but you could tell that there was that um, anticipation in the peloton about that upcoming section and the Koppenberg marked the 45K to go point where the really crucial climb started back to back after yeah. that. So it was cool to see them just flying into this narrow cobbled climb and then coming out in pieces and that's where we really saw the race light up and all the breakaways really trying to form and all the attacks going thereafter so yeah i really loved it and you 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 were on the podium you said um because you finished second of that race uh in your career but uh talk to us or talk to us through the energy from that podium and what can you imagine of someone like kopecky being the belgium national champion 
on her own race, probably the biggest race in Belgium, uh, and, and her winning it there and then stepping up on that podium with the, the national jersey. Uh, what do you think she was feeling? When, describe her, this atmosphere on the podium, because it's a podium like no other, really, Flanders. I think for Lotte Kopecky, that would have been as good, if not better, than winning any other race in her career. I reckon it's even better than winning the World Championships or a gold medal at the Olympic Games. As an Australian in Flanders, you get such a huge round of applause, but I could not imagine what it would have felt like for her wearing the Belgian national jersey on the podium. And Bridie and I were talking about the, the reception she was about to receive just before she went onto the podium, and we just were predicting how much of a cheer she'd get. And she got a bigger cheer than Matthew van der Poel and and. Even though Van der Poel is Dutch, he's very well loved in Belgium and, you know, everyone was excited that he was the winner that day, particularly because Van Aert wasn't there. Um, but Lotta got a huge round of applause and it gave me goosebumps and I've watched the replay a couple of times and it still gives me goosebumps. It was really special and yeah, like I said, I think she'll remember that day for the rest of her life. And you made a very good point in the broadcast, Gracie, as well. You said the the last year's race, the the woman had to wait for the men uh, to go on the podium, but this time it was reversed, and that sort of had a, had a different feeling in in that that whole podium. Yeah, it actually worked out so perfectly because Lotta was the winner that day. But I think regardless of who was the winner in the women's race, the, the way that they shifted the race times and the podium times. Uh, I think that was a really interesting thing and it, it had a really positive outcome. The, the viewership of the viewers at home watching Flanders was, I think, uh, more than four times what it was if only two or three years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's gaining such momentum now, women cycling, and it, she had such a good reception because of her, her national champion's jersey. But I think that it only added to the day and... When I was on the podium, I also shared that same ceremony with the men, but we were presented beforehand and our race finished beforehand and you kind of had this almost like an anticlimax of an hour or two waiting for the men's podium and your podium. So I think that was really, it just kept the women's race on that really beautiful high because they could just get onto the podium straight after they finished. Yeah, absolutely. And it wasn't that long after the men's as well. So it was not like you no know, few hours. And uh, so that yeah. was a very, absolutely a nice touch. Maka, uh, let's talk about Annemiek van Vluten because uh, she she was, uh, she was looked so strong, so strong in in this whole, the last 20 kilometers. Uh, but in the end, she finishes second. And I'm not going to say it's a, it's a, much a disappointment, but we are so used to see van Vluten win races like this oh yeah look she she was brilliant once again she's you know we can argue she's sort of outright the the, the best in the world at the moment if you if you combine all sort of you know disciplines um on the road that is but um no look she was she was beaten by a stronger team and the team of Kapeki. so um sd works so you know, she had a teammate there, Kapeki, to, that basically led the last nine kilometres to bring it down to a sprint. They had confidence that Kapeki would get the better of Anamik. Anamik's tactic was to basically to ride away. She had to ride away and win solo. But it's like sometimes she they know she's going to attack, I get it, and it, it's hard. It's really hard when you've got a, a target on your back. Um, but she doesn't disguise her attacks. Um so they're so ready for her to attack, but she is so strong. 
But what I think is pleasing in a way, and it's not that I don't want Anamique to win. I think she deserves her victories, absolutely. But we want to see close contests, don't we, in the sport? And um, they're figuring her out. And the talent in women's racing is rising. So they're getting closer to her. Tactically, they're, you can argue that they're maybe outsmarting her. So I think this is creating a really good um, competition at the moment. And I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on this, Gracie. It's, you know, and I know I'm sort of, I hope I don't sound like I'm nitpicking at Anamique, but, you know, I think that that's how I see it. She is so strong, but the, 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 the women that can challenge her now, they're starting to figure her out and they know what she's going to do, preempt her tactics, and this is how they're getting the better of her. Yeah, you're definitely right, Maka. They're not only just preempting; they're also rising to her level of performance. I think the depth in women's cycling is only getting better every year, and to have the likes of Lotta Kopecky, who's in the past been known as a bunch sprinter, to still be following her at Strada Bianca and in Flanders, uh, not to mention a, a handful of other amazing riders, it's um, it's all kind of caught up again. So in the past, Flanders hasn't necessarily been a climber's race. It's been very selective. And then you had Anamique really come to the fore and be super strong and, and be able to just ride away from the peloton. But the peloton has caught up again and there's a lot more who have caught up. But uh, no doubt that we're going to see some wins from Anamique going forward once we get into the tours and definitely for the Tour de France femme. Uh, let's talk about uh, the Aussies. And I want to have a, a special mention, uh, first of all, for Brody Chapman. She she rode a very good race, uh, Gracie. Uh, how would you rate what she's done over the weekend in Flanders? Oh, Christoph, big special mention to Brody Chapman. That was absolutely impressive. She just was riding really smart you could tell that she was more in a support role. She has, you know, three other favourites in her French team with another Australian, Grace Brown, one of the favourites of the race, as well as Cecile uh, Ludwig um, and Marta Cavalli. So there's, there's a very formidable trio there. So Brody was in a support role and she made it into a late breakaway. And not only did she put herself in a great position on one of the most decisive points in the race at the start of the old Quermont, she went on the front and she drove it and she had Marlon Rusa there who's the silver medalist at the Olympic Games time trial who's been performing really well this season and I was just so impressed at her confidence to do that because that particular section to me has been almost one of the scariest and hardest points in the race for almost every year that I did it and the peloton no matter what's happening in the race, it'll always blow apart there. And you could see that breakaway this year completely go to smithereens. And Brody was the one to initiate it. And then once Marlon Rosa came around her and put her time trial turbo legs on, Brody could still follow. And I just was blown away by that, not expecting it at all. She's been quite quiet this year, but you can see from some of her other races that she's been slowly coming into form. So I think she actually was the one that almost saved the day for the Frontier du Jour because they didn't particularly have a good day, unfortunately, and we all were all hoping for good things from Grace Brown. Yeah, absolutely. And Maka, uh, I know you and I, by fact, uh, you didn't pick Madwas in a man, but you did pick Grace Brown as a, as a potential winner for, the, for this race. Uh, what, do you, what do you think was just missing for, from Grace on that day? Oh, look, I, don't, I, don't, I think it was just, you know, 2 or 3%. And and by that, I mean, she probably just wasn't having, you know, a, a brilliant day um, from her standards. She was having a good day, 
that she has wasn't having a great day. And yeah, you know, the the thing is with with the likes of Grace Brown now, we expect her to be there because she has been there in the past. She's won World Tour races now, um, you know, and what she's sort of delivered um, over the last two years, those two sort of COVID years, if you like, has been exceptional. So if she's not in the front group at, say, Flanders or Liège, we're like, oh, you know, she's not she's not going as good as what she was a year ago, which uh, isn't that bad because she's still, she's still there. I mean, she, she still ran top 10. Um, so she just had a slightly off day, but look, I still think we're going to see, we're going to see better and the best of Grace, um, hopefully in the next month or two, um, you know, with the likes of Liège and I'm not sure of what, actually what a, what a direct race calendar is over these next four weeks. Um, I don't think she's down to do Amstel Gold this weekend. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what she does, but I think we'll, we're yet to see the best of her. Yeah, and uh, let's hope for a win for from Gresmont at, at Pyrobe. That would be a ultimate oh, yeah. for me. That would be absolutely amazing. Uh, let's talk about uh, Spratty, Amanda Spratt, uh, Gracie. Uh, she she did put a, a few comments over over the week where she said that uh, she absolutely absolutely emptied the tank at uh, Flanders, but the eyes are on Amstel. What do you think of of her position and and that actual comment and, and her chances at something like Amstel? Amstel got race. We saw her actually attack in Flanders. It was kind of like a, a a fake attack in some ways, but she got away from the peloton, was able to ride solo, I think, between the break and the, the peloton for a little while. And I could just tell straight away she was, you know, making the most of that opportunity to just have a bit of a hit out, have a longer effort, um, get away from some of the crazy nervousness in the bunch uh, and for sure using this race to empty the tank, like she said, and to use it to keep moving forward. And I know that she always has her eyes set on the Ardennes Classics. I'm not quite sure if she's ready for for them this year. I think she will be, you know, coming along quite well for those races. But I think we're going to really see Amanda, the old Amanda Spratt, new and improved, I should say, more in some of the tours coming up, like the Giro or the Tour de France. Yeah. Do you agree, Maka? Uh, yeah, I hope so. Uh, and I think, I think, you're spot on, Gracie. Hopefully, it's the new, new and improved. Um, obviously, with that that sort of fairly serious operation uh, she had on her iliac artery, uh, what last year, um, which sort of really was prohibiting, you know, one side of her body or one uh, one leg, the power in her leg. So it's a it's a long road back, but yeah, it was good signs from Flanders and the fact that we did spot her at the front. You know, at, at some point in the race, I think she is. She's coming. She's coming along, um, bit by bit, race by race, and uh, I think that's the that's a really pleasing thing. Flanders had uh, equal prize money, and I, I know how much of uh, uh, it's actually important for you, Gracie, as well, to 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 defend this uh, this equal prize money. And we, you and I, had, had, had numerous chat about it. I'm still it's got equal prize money as well, and I think we we're talking about it, and and and. Can, can you can you explain to us how much this means for 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 the women's peloton to to reach a level where we have an equal price money on races like Flanders, like you know like Amstel, and maybe try to get other races to get the act together, the Roubaix and so on. I like this question, Christoph, but I don't know if we actually share the same views on it. Mm-hmm. I am a bit torn on it. I think the optics of equal prize money is good and it's important and it raises conversations around equality in sports especially in cycling because, you know, that's what we're here to talk about. But 
to me, I think there's still more important things that need to be there, which is equal coverage. And that is what's going to drive the economy of the women's cycling much further into the future. I think if we only have equal prize money and that's a box ticked, done, great, we have equality, it's actually not going to fix that many problems. There's going to be smaller teams that won't be in the results very often. Therefore, they won't be benefiting from that equal prize money. And they're the ones that we need to boost up more because the top teams are doing quite well. They pay their riders quite well. They have good budgets now that they can have great, good staff, good vehicles, uh, good benefits for all of the riders able to do the full race schedule. So I don't know, Maka, if you have an opinion on this, but I still believe that our biggest pain point in women's cycling is the broadcasting. And for some races, it's really good. I think they did a great job at Flanders. For other races, I want to see the whole race. I want to see all of Strata. I want to see all of Roubaix. And I want to see uh, better coverage definitely at the Giro Rosa that has been sorely lacking over the years and I think they will step it up this year but it's going to be you know the proof is in the pudding I think when we get to that uh, race and I'm really I keep mentioning it the Tour de France firm I think that's hopefully going to set the standard for women's coverage moving forward. Yeah you're spot on you're spot on Gracie and I I couldn't agree more with you I mean it's it's true we want we want equal prize money um, across men and women, but that is not, that's sort of like the, ba- I don't know if it's the right analogy, that it's the Band-Aid effect, if you like. They go, oh, great, equal prize money. Okay, everything's fixed. It's not. And there, and there's, look, I'd probably go a step further. And I mean, we can, we can unbox this and we have unboxed it, haven't we, over a few pods in the past. Um, it's not just live coverage of every bike race it, 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 it's the um you know it's the it's the respect that's given for from women's teams from the uci i don't i don't think that is there yet um that needs to improve um so there's there's so many different things that need to 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 help it but i guess what we should say and i, I guess we can all probably all agree on this it, it steps in the right direction. At least we're not going steps in a sideways or backwards direction. So I think every little thing helps. And um, the other thing, and I think we'll all agree on this, is absolutely um, the Tour de France fun. When that happens, I think that's just going to hopefully put women's cycling in another sort of stratosphere um, for the next 12 to 24 months, sort of a real injection that'll that'll sort of kick it on. Um, on the bigger and better things. But, but Gracie, would you say that uh, the, the Flanders Classics, so all the group organizing the Flanders uh, races and so much more than just uh, uh, the Tour of Flanders, uh, do you think they are leaders in a way today, the way equality is uh, given to women's and men's cycling in, in the actual organization and coverage on TV? Because the coverage with Flanders was, br- was brilliant. You know, from 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 both ends. Um, do you see this as a probably a, a way to even more, or do you, do you see that it's it's definitely the leaders of of that field at the minute? Well, the Flanders Classics as an organisation have done a great job with women's cycling, and I think they've definitely been one of the better organisations who felt like they've genuinely put a lot of effort into women's cycling. And I, the ASO has been trailing behind, and even in recent years, there's been you know, complaints about lack of coverage at the Ardennes races, the the ones that the ASO have run. So they have stepped up with the, the Women's Tour de France and it's really on their shoulders now to to have 
a, have good broadcasting because it'll be so it'll be literally the day after the men's race or you know that that week after it'll be so close in comparison that they can't make it look you know half done it just will look terrible so <laughs> i'm excited to see how the aso steps up and there's a, a few other organizations that have done a really good job the women's tour of britain have done a good job for a long time uh and i think other races such as the giro rosa as i've mentioned before they really need to to work on it and step it up yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, before the Tour de France, there's Roubaix. Uh, we talked about the, the, the classics and the, and the women's Roubaix as well uh, on a Saturday and the men's Roubaix on, on a Sunday. Uh, do you think they can, ASO can step it up straight away in Roubaix this year? Because the coverage was quite good last year, but they could do better. It was quite good last year, but I think the the ge general complaint was I wish we could have seen where the the wet race was won, which was what, quite early in the race. And there were so many cobbled sectors so early in the race. I think the women did, you know, 30K or less before they hit the cobbles. So to see, you know, the the good meat of the race, if not all of it, is really important. So I hope that they extend the coverage a little bit more this year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, actually, talking about Roubaix, which is coming in, in two weeks, we'll have, we'll have another podcast next week and talking specifically about Roubaix. But as we are now, before Amstel, uh, Gracie, you know, the winner from last year is not here. Uh, is not going to be here. She's uh, she's pregnant and having a baby. Uh, so it's it's a complete open field and open race. Uh, how do you see this race? Uh, not necessarily shaping up, but who do you see that is already coming up as as a as a serious contender? It's hard to go past Laura Kopecky. She's on a great streak. And she's got that great ability for that type of race. Uh, the Italian world champion, Elisa Balsamo, she's won three world tour races already, but she's definitely has a certain skill set. And I'm not sure if Bay is that for her. And then you've got some of the underdogs. And I think uh, another Dutch rider, Chantal Vanderbroek Black, she was the key rider to help Lotta win at uh, Flanders. And I think she could, you know, be really one to watch. Uh, and, you know, all of our favourite <laughs> favorite riders are Australian. And I think a lot of us, I think Mac is going to agree with me on this one, is Grace Brown. We really want to see her do well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, she's she's got that. Grace seems to have that sort of horsepower for, I mean, she does. She thrives on the cobbles, doesn't she? And so I think, um, yeah, it'd be great to see her. Um, be in the mix at the end. And do you think, Gracie, that um, for, for the women's uh, peloton, hitting Roubaix a second time, it's a bit like uh, jumping off a plane, you know, with a parachute. <laughs> apparently they say, I've never done it, but apparently they say the, the, the second jump is the hardest because you know the first one and you've got all your experience for the first one. You know, what's the feeling, do you think, today in the peloton uh, on, the, on the verge of a second pair Roubaix? <laughs> That's a, a really good way of putting it. I think a lot of us can relate to that. Uh, I think sometimes it's nice to have a bit of, you know, ignorance is bliss. Uh, I think a lot of riders had so much excitement about that first Roubaix that they, it just overcame the fear. But definitely this year there'll be a little bit more fear, a little bit more understanding of what it really is. It's it, You can train over those cobbles. I, I've done a couple of recon rides for the course. Unfortunately, I didn't get to race it in the end, but I got to train on it and my hands were just, you know, shredded to smithereens and, you know, all other funny parts of my body hurt and I could not imagine what it would have been like to race it. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a, a good analogy. And um, I think there's certainly some people that want a bit of redemption from last year, though. So I think it's just one of those races, much like Flanders. You just 
you keep coming back for more. It's a bit like childbirth. You just kind of forget the bad stuff and you just go again. <laughs> be like a, a very spicy curry, you know. It's, uh, it's so spicy, so hard, but it's delicious. Still delicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got plenty of images like this. Uh, and and again and again, we'll uh, we'll do a special Roubaix podcast next week. Uh, so we will concentrate more on on this uh, on this race uh, in in our podcast next week. But uh, Amstel, of course, is on uh, this weekend and it's on SBS. Of course, uh, let's go through some of the uh, the, the main knots and, and the main discussion points that we had uh, this week. Uh, Makai and I, we had a discussion and I heard a rumor, which is not a rumor, but it's a friend of mine, I think, that just wants to please me. Uh, someone told me, yeah, Alaphilippe is not, you know, he's not doing great, he's not doing this, he's skipping this race, skipping Flanders, he's getting ready for the Tour de France. So it's part of me that wants to believe in it. I think I'm probably dreaming. Uh, but how much do you rate this comment from my Dutch friend? Uh, yeah, well, do you want me to answer this, uh, Gracie? Do we want to shut him down like right now or? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> no, look, I'd love to see him. I'd love to see him focus one year, but he's too much of an exciting rider. I don't want to miss all the other good stuff that Philippe does during the year. So in some ways it's a little bit selfish as a commentator slash fan that do we, do you, and, and this is a question for you, Christoph. Would you give up all the other good stuff Philippe does throughout the whole year for him to focus purely on the tour with no guarantees that he might win it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And 100%. And I can guarantee you that there is a huge chunk of the French public that are with me on this one. Because remember, the last victory of the Tour de France uh, by, a, by a French rider is not 1989. <laughs> we all remember that it's 1985 <laughs> that is true. Uh, so it's 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 a it's a century ago for us you know uh, uh so so I, I can one can only imagine uh and i think you guys probably can't picture this because you're not french but i can't imagine the joy that would be in the country if a french person wins or a french rider wins the tour de france already if it's someone like pinot but imagine someone like Alaphilippe, so flamboyant like Alaphilippe. Uh, the guy's got, you know, he, he can do no wrong from there. You know, and, and that's, that's a bit, I put that on par, uh, you know, when France won the World Cup in, in football. This this whole country just exploded of joy. So, yes, absolutely to answer your question. And I'm going to keep pasteurizing you with this. <laughs> this is going to come up and up and up again in this podcast, Maka. No, no, I like it. I like it. I, I, I mean, when you talk like that with that passion, it's true. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see a Frenchman win the, 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 the men's race. I think um, it's been way too long between drinks for, you know, it's their home race. Pino came close. I'm still devastated by Pino a few years ago when he had that sort of weird leg injury, which in the end he withdrew from the race. I thought if ever there was going to be a, a French victory, that was the year. Yeah, he came second as well on the podium. Or oh, third, Bardet came second. Yeah. But yeah, like we, we, we are near misses, but these guys are athletes and great champions and so on. But Philippe is in a different league and, and he's in a different aura by the public. So yes, absolutely to answer your question, uh, I would love as a member of the public, I've got no say in this, but as a member of the public, I would love Philippe to concentrate one year or two years in really having a go at it. Uh, and, and we know that he's someone that is when he puts his mind to it, then he becomes twice world champion. So why not? Why not? Are you guys sold on the idea? <laughs> <laughs> the silence was deafening. <laughs> I'll leave it to the podcast. <laughs> Tumbleweeds. Tumbleweeds. Crickets. 
<laughs> okay, let's move on. Maka, you had uh, other points that you wanted to mention in this podcast. Too. Okay, yeah, okay. Here we go. I've got, let's, let's just play a little game here. I've got some questions for both of you. Tell me what the highlights vision from cycling any form of the last seven days was. Any, 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 any answers? Gracie, first to you. The best highlights vision. And, it, and I'm talking 30 seconds in length, a minute roughly. Oh, I, my, my mind is actually just going to photos. I love to see all the team photos the days before Flanders in the snow when they were doing recon. I think that was really cool. Oh, yeah, very good. Very good. I like that. But and I would go and I would go with uh, Vanderpool Von punching, uh, punching the air downwards uh, on his win, and then uh, Pogacar just sitting up on the sprint, almost super disappointed. You, you got everything that race was in that photo. Okay, so you both you both gave some pretty good ones there, but you're both wrong because you know what the vision of the week was, and I think you will agree with this. It was Tim Merlier going in the wrong direction with 100 metres to go in Scaldapri as a group of 10 riders are sprinting for the finish line towards him. And he had to jump across the barriers with his bike so they didn't hit him. It was pure gold. You're watching it saying, hang on a minute, this isn't really happening. It happened. It was crazy. Did you both see it? Uh, and did he get fined for this? Because it's, it's not really... I know I know a lot of the riders do this, uh, but... And you see, I find you because your sock is not that high or too high. Would you get fined for something like this? Uh, yeah, good question. Look, at the end of the day, he went on Twitter and then explained himself. I don't believe he had to. I mean, good on him for doing it. But it was an honest mistake. It, it's that typical thing. He was going back. He, his team bus or team hotel was sort of, you know, 200 metres back. He actually thought everyone had finished. It was a really rain-soaked day. There weren't too many finishes. And... What he didn't realise was there was another 10 guys <laughs> sprinting in. I mean, the vision is unbelievable. If you just watch that last 20 seconds of it, it's um, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have anything else for us, Mike? I think you had a couple of uh, questions around, around uh, the great Peter Sagan. Uh, I've, yeah, okay. I'm going to put some names to both of you, and I want you to just give a yes or no answer to these names, okay? And we'll get the audience... Uh, to, to put in your comments as well. Will any of these riders win on the big stage again? And when I say big stage, let's you'll know what I mean when, I'm, when I mention these riders. First up, Gracie, you can go first. Peter Sagan, will he win on the big stage? Yes, love Sagan. I'm a big fan. He will. Uh, Christoph? Yeah, I'll go for yes as well. I think there's one in there. There's still one or, or two in him. Probably not that many but there's still a few in them. Absolutely. Good, good. You, he'll be happy to hear that. Uh, Sam Bennett. Sam Bennett, the green jersey winner of the Tour de France a couple of years ago. Sam Bennett, is he going to win again on the big stage? Yeah, I reckon, but maybe not until we get into the tours. I'm saying the Vuelta. Oh, okay. Delayed. Delayed win. That's an yeah. interesting one, uh, La Vuelta. It's a good pick. I'll say come on, I'll say no just to be controversial because I've got no other reason. I don't know. But I'll say no just to be controversial. Okay. 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 Now, here's a big one. Here's a big one. Chris Froome. Chris. He's saying, and I'll give you a little a little teaser. He said just this week, this is the first time he, he has felt 100% healthy and fit since his accident, what, two, three years ago in the Criterium de Dauphiné. Chris Froome, will he win on the big stage again? Ooh, depends what the big stage is. Tour de France? No, but potentially a smaller tour? Yes. 
Yeah, I'll say no as well. Uh, I'll say no because I think uh, I think he, he can be back at to to his best form, uh, but his best form was a few years ago, and there's so many guys that have gone and surpassed the form that he probably had at the time. Uh, and there's also a point with uh, Chris Froome as well is the technology. Uh, he seems to be struggling a bit with his breaks and and so on. Uh, there's there's more things that bother him than just his fitness. So I would say no for that. Mate, you you don't need breaks to win. Breaks only actually slow you down. So that that's a Pretty poor excuse. Um, and also, if he, geez, if he doesn't win again, he's on about four million euros a year. She's good or bad investment for um, Israel. That's a lot of money, isn't it? I would say good because we're still talking about him, even though he's pretty much done competitively nothing for the last two years, and we're still talking about him. So, of course, good investment. Yeah, true. Okay, now two more, last two here, and I'll, I'll I'll say both their names, and you can answer to both. Garrett Thomas, have we almost forgotten about him? Where is he? What's he doing? And the other one, and this is probably probably a tough one because he's still coming back. Egan Bernal. Gracie, do you want to go? Take this one. Oh well. I think we'll know if Garant Thomas is back if we see those white glasses, those horrendous Oakleys. Uh, but, yeah, look, I think he's still got a lot more to give. <laughs> and Egan Bernal, geez, that was awful. Um, I'm just so happy that he's, you know, moving again. I don't know if he'll ever be the same, and I highly doubt it, but we all love a comeback story, so I wish him all the best. And I think for me, I would say... Garen Thomas got all the biggest chance to develop a, a great podcast. He's got a great podcast going on. Uh, <laughs> as in winning more racing, I'm not sure he will. There's a part of me that thinks he's at Ineos because he's got good mates at Ineos. Uh, I'm not sure if competitively he still fits in that team. Uh, so that would be my, my point, my position. Although it's linked up to the to the next one because Egan Bernal, uh, it's, it's actually you know, part of me is happy to see him in those photos. Uh, part of me also thinks that they are a bit staged these photos uh, so I, I don't really like seeing all these photos on social media and his progress and so on but that's the world we live in today and we probably he probably has to keep his fans happy and and, uh, and in touch with what he's doing but I'm not sure he looks in great shape in those photos uh, so therefore you know it's probably great uh, I mean it's of course great for him to, to be um, healthy and healthier and getting healthier by the day as in seeing him winning again I think we're still very far away from this. Yeah, I think you've you've both hit it on the head. It's just good to have, see that he's alive <laughs> and in one piece and his body's back together. But um, it's going to be a pretty long, slow recovery. Hey, two other little snippets of news I've got, and I guess this is sort of some positive stuff. Um, the American Criterium Cup races, it's a 10-race series, are getting live-streamed every race. Um, so that's some sort of good news, I think, for the American scene that they're starting to get some sort of races back up and running and, and, and um, you know, broadcast or, or streamed. And Tour Down Under have emphatically announced that they will be back in 2023. So next year, Tour Down Under will return as a world tour race um, for the men and who knows, maybe for the women as well as world tour. So that's great news. And actually, I've got a question for you both on this. Uh, great news for Tudor Under to, to come back to, to world tour level. How much of the fact that the world championships are in Wollongong, so in Australia, towards the end of the year, are either a, a, a booster for the Tour Under to go back to a world tour level with world-class riders, or 
Is it a problem because the riders might have to do twice the travel? Therefore, it's becoming a bit of a hinder for, on them. Good question, Christoph. I think it's uh, more the latter, actually. Traveling to Australia, as Aussies, we just get on with it because we don't have any other choice. But for the Euros and Americans, it's a, a huge pain. And I'm sure you've both experienced it. But every time I say I'm from Australia... It, without doubt, it's always a roll of the eyes. Oh, that is such a long way. <laughs> like all the Europeans just cannot imagine like traveling back and forward from Australia like we do, let alone once or twice. So I think it will hold a lot of teams and riders back, but particularly the smaller ones that have a lower budget because it is super expensive. And Maka, what do you think of this? Do you think the teams will, some riders will stay, some team will stay, or is it too far away? No, look, I disagree. I think I think that the Worlds is is we've got to remember it's national teams, so it's not the actual World Tour teams. Um, so it's only going to be a handful of riders um, that that you know potentially do the trip twice. Um, let's hope uh, Alaphilippe is one of those, um, and maybe the Pog. Who knows? Um, he's already done Tour Down Under, actually. Believe it or not. Um, but no, I don't think so. I think I think you know they're getting used to it. Yes, it's a big a big flight but the world's is sort of sits alone on its own and then it's what it's three or four months gap is it three months four months i think it's mid-september late september is the world champs so then we're talking mid to late january um before these riders have to come back and it and it won't be all of the riders it'll just be a a snippet of them so i think yeah if anything i think it'll showcase australia um, put us on the map a little bit on the world stage, um, which is a good thing. So you, 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 what you're saying, Maka, is uh, I'm being a good journalist and I'm seeing a problem when there isn't one, and I'm cre I'm trying to create one. Yeah, is that what you say? Yeah, you are, mate. You're going, you're going very tabloidish. I think we better, yeah, we better have a chat when we um, press the stop button on this um, pod. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, we'll have a, we'll have a chat. Uh, we'll have a chat offline. Uh, this is the end of this podcast. Thank you, uh, Gracie, for joining us today. Thanks, guys. Hopefully, be back soon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're always welcome in, uh, in in this podcast. And Maka, thanks very much as well. Thank you very much. Yeah, plenty plenty to unpack. And gee, we're going to have plenty to unpack, aren't we? Over the next few weeks, looking forward to it. And the Giro, can you believe it? The Giro is four weeks away. I know, I know. It's so close, so close. Thank you for joining us. This was the uh, Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast. Before we go, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream or subscribe to our podcast on our website or you can log uh, ride with our friends at Zwift. Until next time, podcast on Roubaix, special Roubaix podcast next week. It's bye for now. Before we go, a quick shout out to Zwift, the app that turns indoor training into a game. Getting started on Zwift is easy. You just need your bike, a trainer, and your PC, Mac, or Apple device. Zwift offers training plans, interval workouts, and a global community. Get strong and get motivated with every ride. Give people a ride on, and you're sure to get one back, as together you enjoy the massive benefits of social indoor training. Go to Zwift.com today and start your free trial.